If you've got your Bibles, we're going to be in the book of, anybody guess? Romans. We're still in the book of Romans. Very good. It's been actually a pretty long time since June, I think, since I actually got to speak on it. Um, so, um, first thing I want you to do is stand up. Stand up. Ah, sit down. Sorry. We'll, we'll stand up soon. What, um, who wrote the book of Romans? Paul. Paul, y'all know that. Who uh, did he write the book of Romans to? The, the, the who in Rome? Believers. Believers in Rome. Very good. So it's very, and, and around what year did he write the book? Y'all remember? That's right, about 58 A.D. Um, is roughly um, when he wrote the book. Let's say 30 years after the death of Christ, the crucifixion of Christ when he died and rose again. That's when he wrote this book to them. Teaching them what? Dude, a lot of stuff. So much stuff. And um, one of the things I want us to do uh, is is now to stand up because you've learned some some verses. Stand up. Uh, you, you you you've learned these. If you're new here, don't freak out. I'm not going to put you on the spot. You, you can sort of learn this too. Uh, we've we've got a couple of hand things to learn some very important scriptures because one thing we've learned in the book of of Romans in a nutshell is that man we we all sin and we all need God's grace um, and and what we earn the debt of sin is death and we cannot pay that debt on, on our own we've read that throughout one two four five six of Romans that's where we've been so if I were to say and if you're new here don't freak out just sort of just talk along if you know it if not just just look cool and you're great tonight um, just go like this. That's how you look cool here. Don't know why this is a weird group. Um, so, Romans 3.23 says, says what? For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Right? Re- easy. Let's try it again. Ready? For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Okay? There, there's no but in there, Dalton. Um, I don't know what Dalton was pointing at there. That's the first one, Romans 3, 23. We've all sinned and come short of the 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 gl- glory of God. We cannot get there on our own. We all agree we all sin. Um, even you go, well, I've gone a week and I've not sinned. That's probably not true. Probably not gone an hour where a thought or something hasn't gone wrong. You're like, oh, I'm such a loser. I'm just saying it about myself, but y'all are too. So, um, so Romans 6, 23 says what? For... The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, my Lord. Okay? Sit down. Good, good job. We're just going to do that. Romans 3.23, 6.23. I want you all just to know these and um, more that we've done, but that's all that we're going to do for tonight. Um, the book of Romans, we, we began at Romans 1. We're at Romans 8 now. And up to this point, in a lot of ways, it's been a doom and gloom book. It, it looks sort of like, um, Bishop, if I could put your face on the screen right there, you were just looking like I had um, I slapped your dog or something. I'm sorry. I'm, that's the problem. I, I knew if I could... I, 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 thank you. Okay, now you hush for us tonight. <clears throat> um, it's sort of doom and gloom. Romans 2 talks about um, those that 
pursue things of the world and lust of the world, that God at some point is going to give them away to it. That God's just going to let them go. And which is a very hard concept to hear. Uh, Romans 3 talks about that. Um, you just said it. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Uh, Romans 6 says that because of our sin, we earn death. We deserve death. Romans 7, Paul says this line, um, even about himself. Paul, this great man who did so much great stuff for God, says this, Oh, wretched man that I am, who can deliver me from this body of death? And remember when, the last time I spoke on that? And if you weren't here, this is the story. When he says that, that body of death, that there was a, a tribe around where Paul was at. At the time, and if someone killed someone, if they committed mur- murder, and they were found guilty of the crime, what they would do is they would take the dead body and strap it, tie it all up to their back, this dead body, and they would have to walk around for the rest of their life until the decay dead body overcame them and killed them. And that was that was the price that was paid. So when he says, "Oh wretched man, who can deliver me from this body of death?" Think of it as this this dead carcass strapped to your back. Does that sound great? Okay, we're about to go to Romans 8. And am I yelling at y'all? No. Okay, it sounds really loud up here. Maybe it's just through, through these things. I'm not like, because ah! I've, I've got a part in here to yell. I just want to make sure we didn't blow nothing. Um, it's in bold. That's how I know to yell. It's a joke. Um, this is where we get to Romans 8, and scholars, like big-name guys that use words I don't really use very often, we don't use very often, but have studied the word, they say that this Romans 8 is the crown jewel of Scripture. It, it, it's this point where we begin to peek out and see some of the amazing truths of God that just can just rock your life. So for the next four weeks or five weeks, we're going to be in Romans 8. So if you go, well, I've got the Bible. I'm not sure what to do this week when I'm on my own time. Read Romans 8. Well, then what do you, when you're done with it, read it again. And when you're done with that, read it again. Because you can get so much out of this. And it's a, it's a part where it just sort of peaks out. It starts out with their, the first verse is there's no condemnation to those who are in Christ. And it ends with nothing can separate us from from the love of God, and in the middle of it, it talks about how God loves us like His, like we are His His child, and and that He is this love that is so deep and so wide, and so that's what this Romans eight is about. Okay, so are you you with me? Sort of. Are you awake? Are you ready? Okay. Romans chapter eight verse one. Are you there? Am I there? And look. A simple verse we're going to start at and probably camp, 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 camp out at. It says that there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Now, I want you to know we're going to start right here where Paul shouts this thing loud that Jesus gives and loudly proclaims we're not condemned. What does it mean to be condemned? That means a sentence has been placed upon your life that you you have got to bear the weight of. That means you're responsible for here in the midst of our sin. Because of our sin, we are responsible for that debt of sin. But Jesus came and as a substitute took the, the payment of that debt. He took it on so that we could have relationship with God. He took it all. Now let me explain what that debt was. Okay, y'all... Act like you're all by yourself here. No one's to your left or right. And you commit a crime. Don't say what that crime is. Don't want to know. You're a bunch of freaks. 
Okay? You commit a crime and you get caught. You go for, before the judge and the judge gives you... He's not going to give you jail time. He's just going to give you one million hours of community service. Can I ask you how long would that take you to, um, to, and to pay your debt to society, what you owed? Longer than the rest of your life. It would, if you worked 40 hours a week, it would take you 480 years to complete the, the task. Could you do that? If you were to live to be 114 years old and one month, you would live one mil, mil, million hours. Give or take like seven. Okay? So if the judge were to give you that, could you pay the... Could you pay your debt? No. Unreachable? There's no way. You cannot, once you, you're popped out of your mama, sorry to freak you out, you couldn't start to work, serve, serve your time, let it be 114 because only four people have lived that, that old the past whatever years, um, and work the whole time, not sleep. Not, you can't do it. It's an impossible task. Someone would have to take that. Do you understand that the debt that we owed is just like that impossible task there's no way that you can do it there's no way that you can pay off your sin debt do we get that and so when all of a sudden this verse says there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus something in that should make us go dude that's right you know what having my faith and trust in Christ and him saving me it gives me something that I cannot earn, I, I, I cannot gain. And I want to share just a couple of amazing things that you gain when you put your faith and trust in Jesus and when he saves you. This is what you gain. First of all, and turn to First John. First John chapter 2. First, first of all, these are four things that he does. And some of you... Y'all probably heard these before, but you know what? We've not met in, in a while. We've not, I've not gotten to teach in a while. And I just want to refresh you as you're starting school back. Yes. First John 2. First John 2, verses 1 and 2. says this. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father. Jesus Christ, the right, righteous. He is the propitiation, the perfect pay, payment for our sins. Okay? He pays our sin debt that we can't pay. That's one thing that he does. Two, look at 1 John 1, chapter 1, verse 9. He doesn't just pay our sin debt, but he cleanses the believer of all unrighteousness. It says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I don't know about you, but even now as a almost 41-year-old, I became a believer when I was almost 17 so that would make it 24 almost years that I've been a believer I put my faith and trust in Christ on a daily weekly basis I find I've got to confess even the sin that's still in in my life now and and there's something about going to God and saying, God, just take this off me. Forgive me for this. Forgive me and make me more like your son. There's something when I, I honestly confess my sin that I feel like something's been taken away from me. And I think it's the unrighteousness that's in my life that can only come through Christ. And let me encourage you. Man, we don't do that enough. How often 
Do you take some time to confess your sin before God? God this week I messed up with my parents at school, the way I talked back, what I did, what I said, what I thought. How many times do we actually do that? Because he, he cleanses the believer of all unrighteousness. But one of the keys for that is we've got to confess. It says it right there. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive our sins. And we need to go to him and then confess him. This is what he also does. Um, he gives us his righteousness. He, 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 Hebrews 10.4. Don't have to turn there. Just look right there on the screen. 10.14 actually. Um, it says, for a single offering he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. You know that you he you are in the process of being sanctified, perfect, perfected by Christ and his righteousness that he has, he he places on you. He didn't just pay your debt, but what right he did, he places on you. It's in your life that spirit that's in you. We're about to read about the spirit in verses 2 through 11. It's all about the spirit. Um he gives that to us. And the fourth thing is then go back to, to Romans 8. And we're, we're not going to teach here tonight, but I want you to see, see the verse here. Romans 8, uh, one of my favorite things to teach about, and I'm excited about it for next week. Uh, 16 and 17 is the verse. It says, The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if ch- children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. Okay, I just want to remind you that Jesus gives us so much stuff. We ought to be so thankful. And as I teach on a, a little bit more of this, um, one thing you want to ask yourself is why am I? Why do I even want to hear what He has to say, or why do I even want to read the Word and see what it says? Because Jesus has given us so much. There's no way that we can pay him back. We can't. Well, you'll understand. I was like really good, uh, and I helped at, at a camp all summer, and I did this good stuff. Well, that's great, but that's just good stuff. We can never repay him back. Our goal should be going, man, every day, Lord, help me to be thankful. Help me to understand what you've done, and help me to live f- for you with all that I have. So look now at, at Romans 8. And let me share one more thing. Um, who here has ever heard someone say, don't judge me? Anybody ever? You know, I hear that especially um, from those that really don't go to church a lot. Um, uh, even some that do. The youth that I've talked with through, through the years. I've gotten to teach youth now for a long time. Um, uh, 18 years or so. And um, a lot of times when you come and confront them on something, they say, don't judge me. I, I want you to understand that no condemnation for those that are in Christ, that just means that the debt you owe on your sin is gone. Okay? Now there's there's another verse that says, don't judge lest you be judged. Is that, is that right? Have you all heard that before? Sort of, maybe not, but that's one that's used a lot. And that refers um, to someone who is haughty. I'm better than you. Uh, you need to be more like me and putting you down, telling you what you're doing is wrong. You, and, and, and sorry, Delaney, I wasn't pointing you out. Um, she was like starting to like slink down in the thing. I thought she was like, I'm never coming back here. Ooh, I hate him. And, um, but I want you to understand a difference because I see it all the time where they're like, the Bible says, don't judge. Well, you know, that's true. But we're also taught, 
called to stand up and stick up for what is right. And when we see someone doing something that is clearly wrong in the word of God, that is clear, clearly wrong, we've got a duty to speak up and say something about it. Not like, I mean, I'm, bet, I'm better than you, but, but come on, dude, what are you doing? What you're doing is wrong. You know, I mean, look right here in the word it says that's not judging. That's not condemning as well. That's called you guide. So um, let me encourage you to guide each other. Now, let me explain one more thing in that first verse. There's no condemnation for those that are in Christ. If you were to go out today, no one's allowed to do this. Don't take a suggestion, but you, you killed somebody. You got mad with an axe. You're not allowed to do that. Okay? You, you did that, and you got caught, um, um, and uh, you went for the judge. They're giving you 25 years. I don't know why they didn't give you more. That's just what they gave you. So you go to jail. And in jail, though, you have an experience where you, you come to faith in Christ. You've, you've never believed in Christ, but it's a true saving faith. You put in your trust and faith in Jesus Christ. Um, should you, because you put your faith in Christ, be able to walk out of jail? Why not? Very good. Your soul is not. But on earth, you've got to pay the price of the sin that you do. The physical sin, there's consequences to all sin. Okay? And that, that penalty, I'm sorry, but most of the time it's going to be there. And it, it ought to, it's just sort of the way it works. You've done wrong. Society says you've got to pay the price. Um, or you may get an STD. Or you may, there's all sorts of stuff that could come out of that. A friendship could be lost because you talked bad about them and you got, 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 got gossiped. Stuff, bad things can occur where you're condemned. There's a price you pay here on earth. But the spiritual price, which is really of much greater worth, you're not condemned for. So look in verse 2. And we're going to sort of read, um, I'm in Ephesians, that's the wrong book, there you go. For verse 2 it says, um, For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do, by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh. And for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh, in order order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. If I were to ask you to describe to me what it means for someone to walk by the flesh, what does that mean? Anybody? Earthly values, good. What else? Give me some descriptions. Anybody got something else? That was, that was right on. No, that's just your. Do we know? Do we know it? Let, let me ask you. And this means yes. This means no. I'm not going to call you out to speak up. Don't worry. Do you know it when it when when you see someone that's walking in the flesh? Thank you, Jake. We're we're good. Wait. Do you know when you see someone walking in the flesh? Do you know when you're walking in the flesh? I mean, yes. Do you know when you're walking in the spirit? Do you know when you see someone walking in the Spirit? Do you see that someone, what do you see more? Walking in the flesh or walking in the Spirit when you look around? Man, the flesh, you see the flesh a lot. But when someone does walk in the Spirit and they're being bold, proclaiming Christ, living it out, making a stand, does that make you take note a little bit? Is, is, is that what you want to be? 
My question, you know what I'm saying? We have fears that beat us down. We're going to talk more about it. But you know what I love about this is, is when he says in verse 1, there's therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ. And he goes on and explains sort of how it all works because God made a way through his son, Jesus, where the law wasn't good enough, that, that our flesh sort of tainted the law and we, it just wasn't enough for us. God said, okay, I know that the law is not going to do it. It's going to be something for them to see, but I'm going to make a way for them to make it to me, have a relationship with me, and he sent his son. That's what it talks about there in in verse 3, uh, by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemns sin in the flesh. Um, so it's sort of the way that, that God works. It's the gospel. It's the good news. Do y'all ever... It's the funny thing. The gospel is the most depressing thing with, that you, you ever see on faces when you talk about it in church. You know what I'm saying? The g- gospel means what? It means Christ... Um, living a perfect life, dying on a cross as a substitute for our sins, rising in on the third day so we can have a relationship with God. Um, and um, God at work, God caring about us, that's what it means, right? Does it ever make you like smile? Y'all look constipated tonight. I mean, you know, it, it, it should make us think, it should make us go, dude, it's it's. Gospel means good news. It's really great news. It's unbelievable news that through Christ you can be set free from the law of sin and death. Um, you know, and, and what he's saying is that um, verse four, or look at verse the verse three again. By seeing his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin he condemned sin in the flesh, in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us. The righteous that we've got to be this no sin sin. The law says you've got to you've got to be without sin. Um, it couldn't be fulfilled. W- it, in us, that requirement without Christ, um, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. So I've got good news for you. If you're a believer in, G- in Jesus Christ, you pass the test, a test that you could not pass. In, in, in all truth, it, it, he passed the test for you. You've got to cheat cheat on it or something. You know what I'm saying? He passed it for you. Um, and so in response to that, what can we do? Look here in verse 5. Because it's talking about those who live according to the flesh, those who live according to the Spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. We all agree with that. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death. But to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. 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 The flesh is death, spirit, life, and peace. Verse 7. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, an enemy of God, fighting against God. For it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot because it's set on the flesh. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Boy. Do you understand? If, if you are living in the flesh, you can't please God. There's no way. You can't get there. So what does it mean to set your mind on the Spirit? Okay? Say, okay. And this is, if I can ask you to do one thing, this is my goal for, for you this week. Remember this point. How can I set my mind on the Spirit? If I'm a believer in Christ, what does it mean to set my mind on the Spirit? And I can explain it. Um, sometimes I give this advice to teenagers and adults alike. I say, think. 
hey, 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 think. Some of you are like, huh, huh, don't do it again. You woke me up. <laughs> think. What does that mean to think? What, this is what I mean. You see, so many times you just go by how you feel, what your mood is. Um, and can I tell you what? Every one of you and us you were selfish suckers. That's what you are. You're selfish. It's about you. You go, no, sometimes I give, sometimes I help. Well, you do it just so that someone will think that you look good most of the time. We are selfish to our core. And if you are going to live by the flesh or live by the Spirit and go, God, help me get the strength to live by the Spirit, you've got to start to think in the Spirit and have your mind um, set on things of the Spirit. But see, it says, but those who live according to the Spirit, if the Spirit of God is in you, they set their mind on the things of the Spirit. So when poised with the choice, you have to ask yourself this. In this situation, how can I honor God? Should I go to this movie? A lot of my friends are going. It's it's going to be good. I mean, I I know it's R, um, but... Project X can't be that bad. I mean, it looks like clean and stuff, right? Or, or just whatever. You've got to ask yourself this. How can I honor God? What response will honor God? Is there a clear one that will? This means yes, this means no. Yes, there is, right? Yes, there is. If I'm in a group and they start talking bad about someone and got, 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 gossip, or whatever word you want to use besides that one, because that one's awful. What can you ask yourself and go, okay, God, how can I honor you in this? Can you walk away? Can you go, hey, you know what? We really don't need to talk about this. What can you do to honor God in what you watch on TV and what you say? Um, if you want to have your mind set on the Spirit, you've got to think about the Spirit. And does it give God honor and glory? Um, and I, I wrote this down. It says, it just wrote this. Quit getting sucked into the tem- temporal. You know what that means? Don't get sucked into the right here, right now. What will this do for me? How good, what, how, how will this make me feel right right now? Um, the emotional response and start thinking about eternal. There are people that watch you all the time. Especially if you're in school, they watch you, the choices that you make, and some that you make, and some of you know this, you've made the wrong choices, and it's rocked you back in that, where you began to walk in the Spirit, and and they saw it, and your witness has been a wreck. You're trying to stand up now, and or you've walked in the flesh, your witness has been a wreck. You're trying to walk now in the Spirit, but it's a long road to go, but you've got to fight for it. We're called, we're called to live in, um, to set our minds on things of the Spirit. And, you know, my third point, that's what can we do? Well, you know, set your, set your mind on the Spirit. When there's a question on what should I do, even who should I sit with, go, hey, okay, what's going to honor God? Not what's the easiest thing to do. When you've got the chance to cheat, and you all will always have the, the chance to cheat. I, I had it all the time back in school. And I, I evidently didn't do it enough because I had a 2.5 GPA in high school. So, so, 
not to strive for. In college, I brought up to like a th- 3.4. After, after my, two, my first two years were 2.4, I got all A's after that. But we don't need to talk about that. Um, what's that? No. She thinks she would let me cheat? Boy, she would beat the tar out of me if I tried to. Every time I tried that. I mean, uh, if I ever tried that. So, let's go on. So, what can you live by the Spirit? Um, look in, in verse 9 of Romans 8. And it says this. And if you're a b- b- believer in Christ, don't forget, that's who he wrote this book to. The book of Romans, Believers in Rome. They weren't really set a church yet. They were more of a house ch- churches, groups beginning to form. He says, You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Him. Do you understand that if you go, You know, I don't know if I have the Spirit of Christ. I don't, I don't know if, if um, God's doing Anything in me. I have no urge to follow him, no urge to seek him, no urge to, to honor him. There's a problem with that. Do you understand there's a problem? Just because you've gone to church, just because you may have said a prayer when you were six, eight, um, walked an aisle, baptized. You understand I was baptized. That doesn't mean anything. It's a condition of your heart. Look here in, in, in verse Verse, let's just read 9 again. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit of life, the Spirit is life because of right, 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 righteousness. If the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. Don't miss the warning. If you don't have the Spirit of God in you, you do not belong to God. You don't. If your mind is always set on the flesh and things of the flesh, and that's all you look at your life and you go for, I will question, I will not judge, but I will question, do you know Him? Do you understand the saving power that He pays your debt? He takes the unrighteousness that is in you away, he replaces it with the righteousness that he has, and he makes you an heir, an equal heir, a, a child of God who will inherit the amazing things of God. And just the greatest part about it is to be a child of God, to be called a child of God. He gives you, do you know all that?